radio for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Welcome back to another episode of Agile FM. Today I have a um, person on my podcast, which I believe was the very first um, participant of a uh, previous podcast of the Agile NYC podcast. And this is Dan Mazik from uh, uh, his domain is openspaceagility.com. I want to talk about that in a little bit. His Twitter handle is Dan Massive, and uh, he's the author of two books Open Space Agility Handbook and The Culture Game. He's also a coach and speaker. First of all, uh, thanks for carving out some time and speaking with me here on Agile FM. Welcome. Hey, Joe, it's always my pleasure to talk with you. How are you? I'm good, Dan. You've been uh, doing a lot of things since the last time we spoke. Um, and uh, the first thing I really want to chat with you about is the domain name, right? Open Space Agility. Uh, there yeah. is this thing, and it's all based on open space. But first of all, what is Open Space Agility? What is it in contrast to open space? And why is the foundation open space? Yeah, so Open Space Agility is a... Um a way to engage everyone in your Agile transformation program. Mm -hmm. It's based on the idea that uh, engaged people power the transformation, disengaged people power the failure. Mm -hmm. So what it does is it incorporates iteration and open space at the enterprise level. So we do a 90 to 100 day iteration that's punctuated by two open spaces at the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. So we open an open space, we do a series of experiments with practices uh, and to tailor and customize them to fit our context. And then we go again with open space at the enterprise level, uh, inviting as many people as possible to actually inspect mm -hmm. the results of our change program. Mm -hmm. Why 90, 120 days? And what's happening between those days? What's happening is the, uh, we open it up with constraints. So in the first open space, when we open up the 90-day window, uh, which is like a, you know, a one fiscal quarter, mm -hmm. um, we set it up uh, like this. Um, you know, we're facing some opportunities. We're facing some challenges. We also are facing some, some threats you know, from competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, are committed to continuous improvement. We're moving in this direction. Uh, we think this agile vehicle can take us there, and mm -hmm. we're gonna, we want to go for a ride and find out. So what we want to do is figure out how we're going to implement, uh, you know, framework X, you know, uh, mm -hmm. be, it, be it safe or uh, Scrum at Scale or Nexus or whatever framework we're choosing or mm -hmm. even rolling our own. The idea is we're going to stay within the Agile Manifesto constraints, that is the four values and 12 principles, Joe, mm -hmm. and that any practice, any behavior that, that, that supports and conforms to the manifesto is, uh, is legal behavior. And okay. uh, practices and behaviors that do not conform, are prob we're probably going to look askance at that over the next 90 days. Mm -hmm. So you have freedom, you also have constraint, uh, you know, and then we launch into 90 days of experimentation with Agile practices with help from coaches mm -hmm. to tailor and customize the Agile, you know, our way. Yeah. What is, what is an example of an illegal behavior? And a good example of an illegal behavior would be something like, um, uh, let's see, at regular intervals, the team reflects, right? That's mm -hmm. the retrospective. If there, are, if there is no regular interval and there is no reflection, mm -hmm. that would be quite out of bounds with the manifesto. Mm -hmm. Um, and other, other similar, uh, 
uh, things. Like, for example, um, the principle about face-to-face conversation. Right. Every organization today has remote labor and distributed workforce. Um, it's a culture of con-calls. It's a culture of faceless communication. So, you know, what we would be doing inside those 90 days, Joe, is we'd be experimenting with uh, using WebEx or Zoom to get access to people's faces, even if they're in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, we would no longer tolerate the con-call culture because we know from the manifesto's guidance that that doesn't actually work. Right. So face-to-face would be still like screen-to-screen would be still okay. Sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, I still have access to your face, right? right. Yeah. Through, through the video. Yeah. And the main thing is that people have the feeling that they're exercising their, their choice in human agency. So, yeah, they look at the manifesto constraints they go, wow, there's a lot of latitude here. There's a lot of freedom here. Yeah, there is, and there isn't, actually. The, the manifesto is actually very constraining. So by leaving the manifesto, uh, uh, by, by making it the set of constraints, mm-hmm. um, there is the at least the perception of, if not actual, uh, freedom of choice in the mm-hmm. way that we behave and tailor Because too many times things are prescribed, and we know the prescription kills self-management, and self-management is where all the mm-hmm. improvement comes from. Right. And that's actually essential, right? It's like if we're overly prescriptive, Joe, we're not going to get the benefits that we think, uh, that we know we can get. So, for example, most organizations today are, are happy with a 15 to 20% improvement in what they're measuring. Mm-hmm. But that's just the beginning of what's possible if we could trigger self-management across the whole enterprise. Right. So, so why did you, why, but why open space as a foundation, as a, as a, as the building blocks of this period? Like what triggered that for you to, to use that? I know it's a, it's the advertised favorite method of conducting meeting by the agile Alliance, but why was that so suitable for you in, in the open space agility? Here's why. It goes back to the premise that all of the progress that we can achieve, all the good results and outcomes that we can achieve through agility really come from self-management, which comes from, you know, human engagement. So human engagement, self-management, it's, it's difficult to learn about these things through a lecture, Joe. Mm. So, so why not drop the people into the experience of engagement, the experience of self-management, and, and open space is the ticket for that. Mm-hmm. So we can drop them into the experience and they go, wow, you know, what just happened? And, and then now they're pulling the information out of us about engagement and self-management instead of us pushing it on them. Mm-hmm. So open, right. yeah, so the open space, the invitation is volunteer-based, right? So you're basically saying transformations, come on in, volunteers, whoever's interested in the transformation. That's right, because we know we know that the the results and the outcomes that we're looking for from agility, the improvement, the continuous improvement from the mm-hmm. lean world, right. that we get that from self management, right? And that and that self management, uh, you know, you need to create the conditions where uh, people who are passionate and responsible about the item uh, at hand identify themselves and actually lead. And this is what happens in open space, Joe. So again, without a lecture, through direct experience, experiential learning, we drop them into open space, and now when they ask questions about self-management and uh, human engagement, self-organization, we can always refer back to that meeting as a Exhibit A mm-hmm. 
in our explanation of what this is. Very cool, very cool. You have you've built a little bit of a certification program around it. What does what does that entail? If somebody let's say somebody's listening to this right now and says, "Hey, that sounds interesting." Yeah, so here's how that works. Um, if you attend the OSA workshop, which I typically uh, offer as a one-day um, course, you know, ahead of conferences where I'm speaking, uh, this course uh, get, awards you a certificate of completion. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? It means you <clears throat> you um, you paid the money for the course. Mm-hmm. It means a you were there. B um, you paid the money, and C you had a pulse at the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It does not attest to what you know or your skills or anything like this. So that's the first level of certification. The second level is where you actually implement this uh, end-to-end, two open spaces with 45 to 90 days in the middle, you know, with uh, a reasonable number of people, you know, at least seven or eight teams, if not the whole, the whole tribe. Mm-hmm. And then you write an experience report and submit that. And this second level, Joe, does... a. Uh, you know, certify that you have experienced this, you have the requisite skills, and that you know what you're talking about, and uh, you went well beyond the classroom mm-hmm. your personal experience. Oh, for sure, yeah, and it's it's a lengthy program at this at this at least 45 days, right? You have been uh, executing and experiencing this uh, firsthand. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Tell me a little bit about performance, customer and employee satisfaction. You mentioned that there's an increase by using open space agility. What kind of experiences do you have with folks you have done that already with? And, um, you know, why are you so sure about it? Performance, customer, yeah. employee satisfaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, about, let's talk about employee retention. Okay. Okay. So when we bring in any change program, Joe, not just Agile, but any change program, some of the people, the people who are the innovators, the people who are the independent thinkers, the people who have been really doing a good job with their career trajectory and paying attention to their their career, they have options, Joe. And you know what? <clears throat> if they don't like what's going on, they're going to be the first people out the door. And guess where they go? They go to the competitor. So it's a double-barreled negative. Not only do we lose the very person who could maybe even champion the Agile transformation, but they go to our competitor. It's a double-barreled negative. So what we want to do is we want to retain those people. If there's, a, say, a recruiter who's uh, recruiting, someone uh, who's a, a high performer, an A-type player, mm-hmm. and we announce the first open space, uh, you know, the fellow might say, you know, there's a big meeting here next week. I want to see how it goes. Call me next week. And then the recruiter calls after the first open space. Right. Hey, I got that job for you. Still want to take it? And he says, "No, I I want to stay. I'm going to stay for 90 days. Call me in 90 days, right? Now, now he's tapping the brakes, okay? And then through the process of doing uh, implementing agile in an agile way, that is through uh, learning, do a little, learn a little, experimentation, which is actually what we need to be doing with these transformations at the enterprise level. This independent thinker, this innovator, this problem solver, starts to get into it." Next thing you know, he's gone from a resistor to a tolerator, and he's gone from a tolerator to a supporter by the, by the second open space 90 days later. Now the recruiter calls and says, hey, how's it going? You, wanna, you still want, you know, got a job for you over here on the other side of town. You want to take it? He says, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Because he's now championing change, right? He's like, you know, all of a sudden he's like, wow, it's about time. We're really getting the show on the road here. We're using a performance-based method. Mm-hmm. 
something that's going to actually reward people who do who do good work, right? And he stays, and we keep the best people, and that guy becomes a champion, and off we go. So I've heard from HR people um, doing net uh, promoter score mm-hmm. before before and after the two open space events that uh, the morale and everything else is just definite uptick as a result of this method. All right. Same, same with performance, I would assume, right? Performance. Well, well, first of all, Joe, you and I both know where performance is concerned, most of these companies aren't really measuring anything useful. Yeah. Right, so when you go to outcome-based, evidence-based metrics, right, um, all of a sudden uh, we're going to be seeing an uptick. But that's usually not lasting, right? So, mm. so when we bring in any kind of change, uh, we get a little uptick in, in, in whatever we're measuring, but then it reverts to the mean. Mm-hmm. But with this, because it raises the levels of engagement, we actually get you know lasting, durable change. So, for example, if you look at Gallup, the Gallup poll says people at work are about 20, 22% engaged at work. Mm. I think that this is completely correlated with Jeff Sutherland's data in the, the Scrum papers where he says teams can double and double again, it's because the engagement levels are so low, Joe. Mm. Yeah. So if you double 20%, you got 40, then you double 40, you got 80. This pretty much explains, I think there's a huge correlation between the levels of employee engagement and the, and the, the outcome-based measures. Mm-hmm. What's, what is, uh, in terms of, I don't know if you have any metrics around that, um, speed of transformation, like going, like we're using that open space agility thing to transform an organization. Is there any kind of metrics you have or feedback or client feedback about the speed of transformation versus similar clients? Well, you know, like, you know, you and I have been at this both over 10 years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have all our war stories about different cultures and so on. Yeah. So each company has its own unique context and it has its own max maximum rate of change that it can, it can comfortably handle. Open space agility helps you find out exactly what's adjacently possible with this group, what this group is capable of and willing to do next. So, one of the goals of OSA, Open Space Agility, is to increase the, the rate of transformation and the results, the outcomes, per unit of coaching. Mm. So what should happen is we should be getting much better results for the same amount of coaching or the same results with far less coaching than we're doing now. Okay. So OSA is an attempt to continuously improve um, the rate of change and the quality of the change and the durability of the change. Mm-hmm. And the premise is that the people have to do the work, not the coaches. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're visitors, Joe. Yeah. We're there for a little while, and then they have to pick up the pieces when we leave. So this equips them to be asking the right questions. In an open space, it creates, it creates an environment where the best idea can actually see the light of day, just mm-hmm. like Agile itself. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, how many how many cycles of these ninety days? Because right now we just have spoken about first and the time in between, yeah. and then comes the second one. But I, I would assume it's obviously an iterative process. So there might be several yeah. of those rounds. Um, let's say somebody's listening to this and says, "Hey, that sounds interesting. I might be in the middle of a transformation. Or I'm planning on doing one. 
Um, I have a thousand-person company uh, to work with. I mean, how, yeah. how many cycles would you look at it in terms of a frequency, but also about the overall length? I mean, how would you measure that by employees? Are you yeah. by teams? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So before I answer the iteration question, just let me make a comment and say that if you're listening to this podcast and you are you've been through Agile a couple times, or you're doing it currently and you're looking for a remake or a reboot or a restart. This is your ticket. This is how you can do it. So now let me get back to the iteration part. Um, normally, you want to do at least two iterations of this. That would be two 90-day periods to kind of kickstart the organization and get them all talking to each other in a respectful, whole group kind of a way and invite everyone into the process of changing. Because, Joe, there's a new kind of story being written and what we're going to do is we're going to invite these folks not just to be passive listeners of the story, but to actually be characters in that emerging story and even to write some of that story. All right. So a couple of 90-day iterations is my recommendation when you start. And then I would uh, suggest that organizations consider doing a whole group, enterprise-wide, open space, kind of a, a check-in um, at the end of the holidays, like in January, okay. when everyone comes back, and then in June, right before the vacation period, when everyone goes away. So those are about six months apart. A common um, objection to this is, well, open space needs a burning issue. Like, what's mm -hmm. the burning issue going to be in January? What's the burning issue going to be in June? How can you schedule this without a burning issue? Here's the story. Every organization always has a burning issue if they're on a path of continuous improvement. So you schedule it in January, and the theme will, will identify itself well before then. Mm -hmm. So the topic will right? arise. Then, yeah. mm -hmm. That's right, right. And it becomes a kind of baptism for the new hires and also a kind of recurring ritual for the, for the people that are already there. Um, because, as you know, in large organizations... Typically what happens is there's a lot of closed space. Mm -hmm. People cannot say what they think and feel in that situation. The best idea can never see the light of day, so you're not going to have an adaptive organization that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. When, the, when the higher-ups authorize these open space events and people have been through it a couple of times, they know that uh, the rules uh, in open space allow the best idea to see the light of day. And that's exactly what happens. So any organization that's truly committed to continuous improvement is looking for innovation from their existing workforce, mm -hmm. I would suggest they give this a, a closer look. Yeah, awesome, yeah. The, the, the folks who might be listening to this episode coming from a purely open space environment rather than the transformation piece of it, um, open space could be anywhere between one and three days or maybe even less than a day, but... Um, What's your, what's your recommendation on that? Like, how long should these events be, or what have you seen? Yeah. So, yeah. If, if you want to go, Joe, if you want to get the most out of this, and if you're an executive and you're listening now to this, I can tell you that if the people get an overnight sleep in between uh, the day one and day two, it can be really rich on the second day. So here's my best advice. Let everyone do their work in the morning, go to lunch. When they come back from lunch, Open the open space in the afternoon of day one. Open it at 1.30 or 2 o'clock. Have a couple of sessions. Close it with the evening news and then uh, close the day out. 
Now everyone will see the marketplace on the wall. They've seen the sessions. They've had the interactions, initial interactions with each other, Joe. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go home and sleep on it, and there are going to be many integrations. So they're going to be much uh, back-of-mind processing as they yes. drive home, as they as they think about going back the next day, and even dreaming. Yep. And they come back the next day, and it's much richer. And then do the, they do a full day of open space. So do a day and a half. It's as good as two days. Yeah. Well, I hope they're just dreaming about it, not having any nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. Um, but you're absolutely right. I have similar experiences, right? I, I, I teach a lot of, uh, uh, some of them as a workshops, right? But some of them are two-day courses. The two-day courses, the second day is really the, that's the day where, where after somebody had slept or overnight, and it's like that's when, when people really are responding differently, putting things into context. And so forth. Yeah, sure. That something. happened. That yeah. even happened to me. One in one open space, I put up three different sessions on the first day, and I came back the next. Uh, you know, I put them up for the mm-hmm. the second day. I came back in the morning, and I realized I could integrate them all into one. I gave them. I came up with a very attractive, mm-hmm. uh, kind of sexy title, and mm-hmm. I had a huge amount of people come to the thing. It was really well attended. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, um, for executives that are listening or, or those who, are, who can make decisions about this, if they go to OpenSpaceAgility.com, they can find online courses that are as, as little as eight hours, two hours at a time, four days mm-hmm. uh, for a total of eight hours. And they can learn about open space, they can learn about OSA, and they can get oriented and uh, get in position to actually take a shot at this. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, my, my next question um, is... I think the answer is yes, but let me just ask you this. There's a hot topic uh, right now evolving. It's 2018. People are talking about business agility. Um, oh, yes. That's, that's a hot topic, right? You're talking about agile transformation. Obviously, does that include business agility transformations? I think the answer is yes. The answer is yes. In fact, you know, here's, here's a story, Joe, just a really quick one, because I know we don't have a mm-hmm. lot of time. Yeah, sure. When I first, when I first um, put this material out there, it was at the Global Scrum Gathering where I was invited to keynote in Paris, France in September of 2013. And I met a fellow there um, named Pablo Pernod. He works, uh, he works uh, as an agile coach in Paris. And he actually uh, came up to me about a month later, he, he, he called me and he said, listen, uh, I have some news for you. This, this, this technique is way bigger than Agile itself. I'm using it for all kinds of things, any kind of change. This, process, this, this method is fantastic for getting everyone engaged. And I would say um, that open space agility uh, can be used for any kind of process, uh, change in any kind of organization. And the last thing I would say, Joe, is that we have frameworks for Agile transformation like Nexus, Scrum and Scale, the mm-hmm. Scaled Agile Framework, and so on. Those are frameworks, but what's very interesting is that these frameworks, as, as of today, are completely silent on the question um, of how do we engage the people. Mm-hmm. So OSA is not a Framework. It's an engagement model that allows you to build an engagement plan, mm-hmm. which removes the risk of failure from your transformation uh, uh, program. Yeah, I think that's a good clarification uh, here. But is there anything, is there anything different around business agility that it would be for other, uh, let's say, IT agile transformations, or would it be from an from an, an open space agility perspective? It would be the same run. Joe, we know from IT 
that the quality of the interactions by and between the team members and the whole organization is what throttles the software quality. Yeah. So it turns out that this is a profoundly important lesson that has very broad applicability. Whether it's an IT issue or any other kind of issue, the quality of the interactions throttles the quality of the results in organizations. Mm. And open space and open space agility as a sort of frame or harness for that provides the context within which these fantastic high-quality, high-performance interactions can actually happen. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. So business agility is probably four times bigger than software agility. And to make it happen, we have to raise the quality of the interactions. Oh, absolutely. So here you got it. Engagement model and open space agility. Uh, we learned a little bit about the, the basic mechanisms. There's a book out there people can read. But what keeps you up at night? What, where do you see the industry? Not necessarily the agile one, but the, the ones you work with and, and applying this model. Where do you see, see they're going and what keeps you up at night, Dan? What keeps me up at night is this concept of the engagement model. So here's, here's, my, here's my, my summary guidance on this. Mm-hmm. If you're going to engage in a digital transformation, a business agility transformation, or a software agility transformation, engagement of the people, of the employees that are affected by this is essential. So use open space agility or better from the very beginning in the same way we, we, we build testing in first with software, we need to build engagement in first with the transformation plan, Joe. Mm-hmm. So find yourself an engagement model, build an engagement plan, use OSA or better, and, and build engagement in as a forethought, mm-hmm. not an afterthought to take the risk of failure out. All right. Can, and, uh, can teams that are currently struggling with their transformation, can they totally reboot with this approach? Do you think um, the open space, the opening open space, the first one, would be level setting enough for that team to restart their engines for a transformation that might have gone stuck? If and only if the leadership, the sponsoring host, uh, and the authorizing host have been properly coached to uh, behave in the in the right manner and before, during, and after the event. Right. So. You know, we can have a great kumbaya open space, but if the leader doesn't follow through with the proceedings and bring the emergent leaders into the story, you know, we'll be right back to where we were before. I was in one large bank, mm-hmm. very large bank. I, I won't name the bank. We had an open space there, and what went on in the closing circle when the microphone went around was people were like, I'm very, I'm very curious to see what happens next. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know... <laughs> Well, so yeah, there you go. yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. It's always good to uh, stop on a high note, right? But um, the the idea is really here: start your transformation with OSA or better. I like that. So there might be something out there which we are not aware of, or people are experimenting with. Uh, find an engagement model, and uh, there is help um, around. Hey, Dan, that was awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Joe. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service to your listeners. Okay, awesome. And uh, good luck with all the open space uh, agility. And, uh, you know, people who want to reach out to you, go on Twitter or go on open space agility, get in touch with Dan, and uh, we'll take it from there. Very nice, Joe. Thanks a lot. 
Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Show Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon. Thank you.